Hello, friends. Welcome to the Relationship 411 podcast. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Kevin. We've been married for 25 years, and we've seen the best of times, and we've seen the worst of times. We also have four awesome kids who are growing up and leaving our nest. We've loved doing this podcast, and we're excited for it to continue. We don't have it all figured out, but we do have a lot of life experiences. Since becoming a life coach, I'm so excited to share with you the tools I've learned to help you in this journey we call life. Hey friends, welcome. Um, Kevin and I are excited to be here today, and we had a fun time doing a Q&A last month. We still had lots of questions to be answered, and so we thought we'd do another one. So here it goes. Olivia, she asked, what can young adults do to prepare for marriage? And we actually did a podcast on this on December 27th, 2021, called What We Wish We Knew Before We Got Married. But do you have anything else that you would like to add or you've thought about, like, what can young adults do to prepare for marriage? Oh, <laughs> Olivia. Oh, oh, oh Olivia. Um, yeah, there's a lot. I, I think that if we didn't say this in that podcast, I would say something that, looking back, we want to definitely be as open and honest with the other person and probably with ourselves than we ever could. Like, and as weird as that sounds, it's kind of like, well, I don't know if I can tell this person this yet. Or if you can't have that conversation, you probably shouldn't be getting married, right? And I'll give you an example of something that we had when we first met. I told you that I lived with some girl before, you know, for a long time before we got married. And that should have been a red flag for you. You should have run for the hills. But you know, I was open and honest about that and and told you about that. And I think also just being brutally honest with who you are and what you're looking for and don't compromise for that. And also to like, yeah, I mean, just to be open and honest. Like if you don't like certain things, don't try to camouflage that. And if you're trying to pretend to be somebody you're not, I promise you that's going to wear off in marriage. And you're not going to be that person. Like if your fiance loves to go rock climbing and you say, oh my gosh, I totally love rock climbing. And you really don't just say it. I don't love rock climbing. It's far better to get that out of the way than it would be. You try to fake for the rest of your life that you're a rock climber and then eventually will lead to a disaster, I believe. Yeah. And basically just what Kevin said is remember you can only change yourself. You cannot change your spouse. So if you try, and so many marriages, I think, fall into this trap, try to change their spouse to the person they want them to be, um, it's only going to lead to resentment and frustration. And those are not great feelings to have in a marriage. And so really learning to communicate, read books, look for role models that you think have a good marriage, and maybe talk to them. So there's lots of things that you can do. You you can't guarantee a perfect marriage. And just so you know, there's no perfect marriage. Yeah, even that one you're looking at, like, oh, they have such a great marriage. I guarantee they've got shit in that marriage, too. Yeah, so, so don't expect, I think, don't expect there's not going to be problems in your marriage. Just know that there will be. But if you can communicate with your spouse, then you can definitely get through those problems. Okay. Cool. All so right. McCall asked, What can young adults do to better themselves as individuals and know who they are as an individual before trying to jump into a relationship with someone, especially someone like me who is a bit older, per Utah standards, and is still trying to navigate knowing myself and what I can bring to the table while trying to manage the crazy world of dating right now? 
Oh my gosh. I know that was that's a lot. McCall. Yeah. <laughs> Man, McCall, that's a toughie. I would say, you know what? Um, I don't know about you, babe, but I think that it seems to me that we as a culture in Utah and maybe in more conservative Christian type of backgrounds get married, in my mind, way too early. Way, 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 way too early. I think we do it because we're so afraid that like someone's going to have sex before they get married, and it's like the worst thing that could ever happen. So instead, we like just hurry up and get married. And you're like, you don't know your ass from third base. Like you don't even know who you are. And so I think that the more you can understand who you really are and who you're not, and quit trying to be somebody you're not, and listen to that inner voice that says like, who am I? Who do I want to be? What comes naturally? What doesn't? Um, realize that God loves me who I am. That's one of the biggest things I'm looking at now is to say, look, if God made me and he knows me down to the DNA level, like he understands my flaws, my weaknesses, like all that and totally loves me. So it's like, love yourself and just kind of just figure out who you are way more than just jumping in and going to get married for sure and go play house and whatever you're going to do. But yeah, I think that there's way too many couples that get married way too easily and way too young. I would say something you could do is maybe go explore more, you know, jump around a couple jobs, go travel a little bit by yourself or with friends, get into activities you wanted to try. Like, do you like that or not like it? But I would just say, go be you. And then you can go merge and yield with somebody else that's doing that, as opposed to trying to figure out along the way who you are and realize you'll always evolve. Right. Yeah. And some thoughts I had is, first of all, nothing's gone wrong. Um, you aren't too old and you're just where you are right now. You're totally in the perfect spot. So just drop the judgment. I think it sounds like you're comparing yourself with other people. And I would say make a list of everything you love about yourself and things that you might want to be different that you don't like about yourself and that you could work on, as well as I love creating like a bucket list and maybe things that you, goals and things you want to achieve for the year and start doing those. What I told uh, my daughters is get on every dating app and start dating because you might have to go on a hundred dates before you find Mr. Wonderful and you might only have to go on five, but if you're not dating and putting yourself out there, you're never going to get married. That's just a fact. And so start dating. Just write down what you loved about that person, what you didn't like. Be curious. And there's not a perfect guy, but there's going to be a perfect guy for you. Yeah, and we've said that to our, our kids. Like, you're going to kiss a lot of frogs, you know, before you find the prince. And, you know, when it comes to selling a house, it's like, Man, you've got 500 people rolling through the house, but it's like all it takes is one buyer. Yeah, you just need one guy. So anyways, I think put yourself out there. And I think a lot of young adults these days, they're afraid to put themselves out there, but have the courage. And I think you're going to have great success and you'll be able to find that person. Thanks, McCall. <laughs> so Parker asked, he has another dating question. Of course. We, we must okay. have a lot of young listeners. Well, baby, this um, is relationship 411. So yeah, there you go. He, while he's dating, he wants to know how to build a solid foundation for a relationship prior to getting engaged or married. So he wants to know what are some things to do. And we kind of answered that, but if you have anything else that comes to mind. I mean, solid relationship, again, I think is just truly communicating who you are and not try to BS anybody or not try to like, this is the answer I think they want to have so I can like win them over. 
Because I'm telling you, that, it's just going to blow up, man. At some point down the road, you're trying to be somebody you're not, you know, cramming a, a square peg into a round hole, stuffing yourself in a box, like whatever it is. Like if you're, you know, if you're a certain person, what I hear a lot of people say is that like someone feels like that they bought a peacock and all of a sudden that peacock gets stuffed into a box. It's like you knew what you were buying a peacock, mm-hmm. right? So you can't have the peacock and then stuff that into a box and expect the peacock to be happy, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're a peacock, go be a peacock, man. But, like, just own that. Words from Kevin to live by. Anyways, what oh I would gosh. say is the most important thing is to be honest. So basically what Kevin says, but I just said it differently, is to be honest in all areas of your life and honest with yourself. Speak your truth. And you can be honest without being mean to someone. You can be clear and kind, and it will build trust when you can be vulnerable, which will create deep connection, love, and respect. Amen. That's, that's very eloquent. Yep. Yeah. Babe, you're, you're so much better at that, like being eloquent. If I just yeah. like just say it. Just so everyone knows, Kevin's the peacock. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, Debbie asked, how to raise teenagers. Okay, that was, she needs help on how to raise teenagers. Who doesn't? No doubt. We have raised four teenagers and are still raising two of them. So we are definitely, we have experience at least. Yeah, for sure. And we're we're not pros. And if our kids were on here, they'd probably say, you guys have done everything wrong. And our kids definitely tell us, like mom, dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, for us, I think I've tried to look at it for our kids to be their loudest fan, their biggest coach, because you know what? The whole world is out to just bring you down, and they probably already know their demons. Like, I don't need to point out their demons more to them. And one of the things I've tried to do is to treat them like adults. And so when they were little even, like if something would go wrong, let's say they came in late, right? Blue curfew totally came in late. I'd let them stew on it for a little bit, and then I'd come to them and say, let's talk. And then I'd say... Hey, um, help me understand. I always want to understand first and then be understood. So help me understand what happened last night. Help me understand why you didn't come in. Help me understand, you know, whatever it is. Listen to that. And then I say, do you see how that was wrong? You know, do you see how we might have been worried? Do you see how we were concerned, whatever? And then I just throw it back on them. Say, if you were me, you'd be the parent. What would you do? How would you react? Help me understand like what I should be doing. You know, what's a proper punishment? And try to come up with some solutions together. Or with school, bombing out of school. Help me understand why you think it's like okay to get Fs or not go to school or not whatever. You know, just get in there, ask questions, listen, and far less lectures. Oh my God, my my whole life grew up from a lecture from my father, and I tried not to lecture, but I probably do. Maybe it's like in the XY chromosome, man. We like to lecture, but I think to to ask questions and to treat them more like adults and help prepare them for life is a good deal. Mm -hmm. That's great. I have very similar thoughts, but I'm going to, I'll share mine. Um, So I don't have the magic answer, but my first thought is to love them. And I think if you can come from love in all aspects, even when you feel like something's gone wrong, Um, you're going to have much more success. Um, Respect them, talk to them, quit judging and telling them that they're doing it wrong. All kids are different, and there isn't a right or wrong way to be a human. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Remember, they are going to mess up and make mistakes. You can't prevent this, but you can show up out of love. 
Make sure you aren't using shame when talking to your kids. Don't compare them to other people, mm-hmm. especially their siblings. And you can be upset at a behavior, but don't tie it to their value. I love that. I think it's one of the things we've tried to do is to really instill love with the kids is to say, hey, I love you. And like, and again, be their cheerleader. They're going to beat themselves up and be way harder on themselves, but say, look, no matter what you do, I love you. Like, you can't change that. And that's a big deal. And I think, too, we've tried to get vulnerable with our kids. Is that, you know, just even recently, I've sat down all the kids and I told them, like, look, man, I drink coffee, I drink alcohol, I drink, you know, beer, wine, whatever. I, I just wanted to get vulnerable with them to say, I want to be true. I said, if I come to you and say, you can talk to me about anything, how hypocritical would it be of me that I'm trying to hide something or conceal something and I'm not coming to you about it? So here it is, and let's talk about that. And the other thing that I've tried to do is that kids look for exits, man. If you can say, let's go have a talk. Like I used to bring the kids into like the office area of our house and have a talk. Oh, my gosh. They jokingly say, like, that was the worst ever. But I just said, can you give me 10 minutes? Can we talk for eight minutes? Can you give me you know, whatever, I literally right in front of them would set the timer on my phone, put it out there, and I would try to be done as quickly as possible on that. The alarm went off. I'd say, there's my eight minutes. Can I still go on or are you done? 99.999% of the time they're going to say, no, I just finished. This is good. And then they know they've got an exit. They're not going to get a lecture for half an hour or 45 minutes or whatever it is. It's like, no, this is eight minutes, 10 minutes. I can say it. We have a conversation and move on. And FYI, that's a great thing to do with your spouse if you want to have a talk with them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, those are <laughs> like, when timer. the hell is this going to be over with? Yeah. Because <laughs> if you say, hey, babe, can we have a talk? Ugh. Most likely, most guys do not want to say yes to that. No. <laughs> okay, Jared, I can't wait to hear how you're going to answer Jared's question. <laughs> okay, Jared, let's do I this. I would like to hear tips on good, cheap dates. I don't oh. know if those words can go together in Kevin's mind, but... Yeah, we can do, do you it, have any Jared. Thoughts? Yep, Jared. I would say good luck, brother. <laughs> um, we were Jennifer and I were in a courtship and marriage class eons ago, and I remember we talked about this. And some guy said his dating budget was like seven dollars for the month. And I know that we got married a long time ago, but even seven dollars back then would have been like thirty dollars a month, like today or something. I'm like, dude, like, what in the hell are you gonna do? But I think that it involves creativity. And candidly, the wealthier you get and the longer your marriage goes on, I think the more creativity you need to have. Because you can get super lazy and fat and just not, not like literally fat, but like just get fat and lazy with just spending money to spend it. When some of the best dates I think that we've done have been creative ones. Um, We bought a picnic basket and we will take a picnic basket out. We'll go to like a local grocery store, grab some deli meats and cheeses and crackers and some fruit and head out to a park and have like a little playlist going. And that's been awesome. We've loved that. I think going for some hikes have been fantastic. I think also like investing the time in like some sort of a season pass deal that like you both like to do that you can do together. Um, I think we've done game night with ourselves or with other couples, and just have some creative games. It doesn't have to be always a board game. Like You can actually create your own kind of games or make tournaments out of that, like if you've got a ping-pong table, or like make tournaments out of some stuff. We've done 
parties for people to come over, and you can make it a potluck if you wanted to, but we've done like trivia nights then, and we've given away like a small prize at the end because people are kind of competitive with that. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think you just have to take some creativity. Yeah. My other thoughts, Kevin said a lot of them, but for sure get creative. Think outside the box. And I think reframe the word cheap um, because there are not a lot of girls that want to go on a cheap date. So Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. They, yeah, no girl likes it. Oh, my. If they're like, I love wow, this guy so cheap. He's really cheap. Anyways, and not every date has to cost a lot of money. And it's not the money, it's what the intent was. You know, if it's her love language, if she, it. it's what she wants to do. Just snuggling on the couch watching a Netflix movie or going on a walk. Like, all those things are great, but when you're like, oh, what can I do for the cheapest thing this week? You know, that just puts a block in my mind on your creativity. So stay creative. I I think that's spot on is to say figure out what their love language is and go meet that and do it in a creative, frugal way. Like, again, I could go spend a ton of money on flowers and an amazing concert for you. We could... We could go on a private jet to some concert in L.A. and come back, and that's not going to fill your cup as much as probably snuggling on the couch, bringing in some Chinese food from your favorite Chinese place. Just saying I won't turn down the private jet. I know. I I figured you wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was a bit extreme. But (laughs) But yeah. yeah, But but, now it's true. But you you can say, look, man, that's a good deal. A, A bath together and, you know, a good movie together rubbing your feet, talking, communicating, you know, that kind of stuff goes miles in your book. That's true. Uh, more than if I bought you a big diamond bracelet. It's true. Okay, Grace asked, I'm so happy in our marriage. How do we keep that going? <laughs> Grace, good luck. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Grace, I'm happy for you that you're so happy in your marriage. I would say, you know what, realize that you're going to have ups and downs, and I would say... Just gear up for the long haul. I would say, you know what? Shit's probably going to happen in your marriage, Grace. And when it does, like, don't freak out. I would say take a long-term perspective. Figure out, you know, how you can work out things as much as you possibly can. And I would also say, you know what? Just keep, keep at it. I mean, that's the biggest deal is just to keep working at your marriage. Like it is a continuum that you're either going forward or sliding backwards. And you know, we're never in a, a safe little zone. I think that you just constantly work on yourself and work on your marriage. That's good. That's good. I've said, um, realize and acknowledge life and marriage isn't meant to be happy all the time. It isn't how life works. There are going to be times you're hurt, angry, mad, and work on getting the tools so you know what to do when these times come. Have a plan and know it's okay to have a fight or to disagree. If you can lean into the bad, you will definitely be happier. So I think a lot of times we don't realize marriage is actual, it takes work, and we just think if we're not happy, then something's gone wrong. Nothing's gone wrong. That's the whole purpose of our life and living and being in a relationship that it's going to have to take work and it doesn't have to be drudgery, but it just depends on how you think about it. But just know you're going to have a fight. You're going to be irritated at them. You're not going to always be happy. You've got to work at it. I mean, you can't be physically fit and 
whatever and just say, that's it, man. I'm physically fit now, so I'm going to be physically fit the rest of my life. It's like, no, Grace, if you've got a good thing, I would step back and say, what's made it so good? Yeah, we do, we do X, Y, that. and Z and say, keep doing that. And then what's one thing that you probably should eliminate? And then what's one thing you want to go start, you know? But mm-hmm. step back and say, what's going super well here? Let's keep let's keep rolling with that. Mm-hmm. That's good. So our last question okay. is from Brannon. All right, Brannon. He wants to know how to not anger his wife without compromising too much of who he is. <laughs> good luck, Brannon. Oh, my gosh. Angering, not angering your wife without compromising who you are. Oh, dude, I could do a podcast on this just solely probably. Oh, I'm going to say, you know what? I am probably the wrong person to ask this because, Brandon, <laughs> right now I am in a moment of to thine own self be true. So, Brandon, I think that's a great question. Jennifer, I would – you're a life coach and okay. you're the wife. So, like, what what would you say to that? And then I'll fill in. Okay. Well, I wanted to tell Brandon he isn't that powerful to make his wife angry. It's not possible for him to anger his wife. She chooses to get angry because something you say or do to her. And then that's her thought. Whatever you said to her made her feel angry. But you yourself don't have that much control to make her angry. If you could practice saying the whole truth, um, being vulnerable and honest— And I gave the example, I was thinking of an example of doing dishes. And if she asks you to do the dishes and you don't do the dishes and she gets angry, instead of getting angry back at her, think about it, acknowledge, you're right, I didn't do the dishes. Maybe tell her why you didn't do the dishes, you know, but be honest. Say I was watching a football game, I forgot, I didn't, you know, but I want you to know I care about you. Let her know the whole truth about the dishes. Just be honest. I think honesty goes a long ways in anger. But when two people start fighting, anger is a secondary emotion. And so um, there's something underneath that that's really going on. She's probably feeling like, he doesn't love me. He doesn't care. He never listens to me when I ask him to do the dishes. So figure that out and just acknowledge it and... If you hate doing the dishes, that was my example, but you love vacuuming, say, you know what, can I, can I vacuum? I love vacuuming so much better than the dishes. And, you know, you could work something out. Yeah, I think you make a great point. One, honestly, you were spot on when you said, because, like, we've heard this forever. Like, you make me so mad. And, well, I can't make you mad. Like, that's true, but it's also kind of bullshit because <laughs> it's like that in theory, like, that's really nice, but there are certain things that we do we push buttons, and it does irritate us, and it's because we let that irritate. I get it. And in an ideal world, we're all in psychology class, and it works well. But I would say that something, no, we, we do. We irritate other people, and or we, we do something that allows them to be irritated, whatever the deal is. But I'd say, you know what, just be your – I think you bring up good points is just to be true to yourself. And when we have these discussions – I haven't always been great with this, but I've tried lately, is to step back and say, what part of this is true? Like when you say something like, you really have angered me, or I'm, I'm really upset at this because of blah, blah, blah. I could be super defensive and throw stuff back at her. And instead, I, I try to say, you know what, what part of this is true? You know, what part of this is what you're saying is true? And then I also speak my truth when I say, no, 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 that's, that's not the case. 
this is really what happened. No, 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 I didn't say that. Right. I, you might have heard that, but this is what I said. And so that's how you can be true to yourself is stay in the facts more in the emotion, yeah. I think. And, and, then, I, and yeah. I think Brandon, like him saying that, it makes him the victim, so it doesn't empower himself to really know who he is and say who he is. So try to stay in instead of victim mode empowerment because that's also going to be a better way to have a conversation with your wife. Yeah, and so you know you can listen to what they have to say and say what element of that is true, own it, you know, apologize for it, and then say, you know what, no, 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 that, that wasn't true. No, I don't always do that, or I, no, I, I never do that. No, that's not what I said. So that, that's a way that you can be true to yourself, I think, and not be afraid to stick up for yourself and acknowledge who you are and remain true to that. If you want more relationship tips, get on my email list, lifecoachgen2.0 at gmail.com, or go to my website, relationship411podcast.com. And sign up for a free consultation to get more personal help with your relationships. As always, follow us at Relationship 411 Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And remember, we promise to give you the 411 about relationships. So you don't have to call 911 for yours. 